Welcome to Mayfield Baptist Church. We are very excited to have you with us here. We do encourage you to follow us on our social media, which you can access through our website at mayfieldbaptist.com. Please feel free to like and subscribe to this podcast to keep you up to date with our latest messages. We do hope you enjoy this recent message from NBC, that it may help you connect to God, grow in your faith and serve in your own context. Other things. The banners have changed. We're in Lent. Purple is the colour of repentance and preparation. So that will be up until we hit Easter itself. Some people chuckled when Marsha said, if you want to join the cricket team, see Grant. That is very ironic. (laughs) Because people who know me well know that I do nothing but sports. (laughs) I don't even watch the cricket. I think it's some... Sorry? Unless it's Black Bowl, yes. I think cricket is some nasty English plot to bore the world into submission. (laughs) But anyway, yes, you can come and see me and I'll pass it on to someone who might know something more. I, I did play cricket when I was in high school, but that was only because you spent half the time in the stands talking to your friends. Not because I actually liked the game. (laughs) <laughs> you like cricket, do you? Okay. <laughs> prayer. We're in. This is the second week of our prayer series. So we're continuing our journey. I don't know about you, but I find prayer a struggle. It's not that it's difficult, but it is. It's not something that comes naturally. It's something... Sometimes it feels like there's nothing going on. I'm talking into nothing, that there's no one home, that there's nothing going on, and I'm just talking to myself. But just as I look at my relationship with Robin, or any other relationship for that matter, my relationship with Jesus needs to be worked on. It just doesn't happen. It's something I need to deliberately think of what I'm doing and how I'm choosing to go about it for it to grow and flourish. Well, that's my experience anyway. I just can't assume that things will happen if I don't actually put the effort in. And I think that's the same with our relationship with God. Our relationship grows as we learn to communicate better. And as we learn to communicate better, our prayer gets better. So I was reading this week in preparation for today one of the writers gave a couple of examples of what prayer life, our prayer life was like. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. He said, it's like a child learning to talk. How do they learn to talk? They repeat the words they hear from other people. They begin repeating words. They may not know what they mean. Remember, there's some shockers, first words, aren't there? You've got to be careful what you say around little kids. So they repeat the words they hear from other people. Then they begin to form their own sentences. They actually begin to understand what these words mean. And as they learn to put them together and learn to put them into context, they begin to express their thoughts and their feelings. And so their communication skills grow. And then they learn to become more complicated in how they communicate. And that's how we pray as well. Last week... We looked at the Lord's Prayer. 
Jesus' first lesson on prayer that he gave his disciples was words that they could repeat for themselves. And those same words have been used by believers for two millennia now. But Jesus just didn't leave his disciples with a repeatable prayer. That was his starting point. He moved on to encourage them to pray for themselves, to talk with the Father about what was going on for them. And in Luke 11, he says this, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, through though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you? Jesus builds on something special here. He's introduced this concept of God as Father in that simple prayer. Not some all-powerful, almighty, out there, detached deity, but a father, someone who's close, at hand, in a relationship. And our father seeks what's best for us. And we can ask for what we need. We can move beyond the generic prayers, you know, world peace, keep me safe, blah, blah, blah. You know, bless this person, bless that person. We can get to specifics that impact our lives and the lives of those around us. God wants to be in our day-to-day -day life. And Jesus is here saying that. Our ups and downs, our good days, our bad days are part of who we are. So talk with God about that stuff. Ask for what we need. Express how we are feeling and thinking. We learn to pray by following the example of the words that we learn from others. And as we become more confident by repeating those words, just like a child becomes more confident as they repeat the words they learn, we can express our minds and our feelings more eloquently with God. The other metaphor or example of what prayer was like I discovered this week was learning to play an instrument. The first thing we do is repeat the scales and the notes. It's where the violin sounds like someone's scratching a cat, or in my case, strangling a cat when I was learning the pipes. But all the time, this repetition, this doing this mind-numbing stuff sometimes, these repeated actions, we're beginning to learn something deeper. We learn how these actions become ingrained into our thought patterns, into how we think, how we feel. Even though they seem disconnected, after a while, what begins to happen? We begin to create music. The groundwork has been done. Now we're moving into something more beautiful, more complicated than we thought we would ever get to when we started those very simple things. So prayers like the Lord's Prayer and even the Psalms teach us how to pray. Just like Jesus said, as, though, as he was asked, teach us how to pray. They're the beginning. 
that it calls us into a deeper prayer relationship with God where we can express ourselves to God. So over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at how we move into deeper levels of communication with God. Now, I don't want us to think that as you go deeper, that the earlier ones, you know, we don't use those anymore. We always come back. You just need to talk to a musician. What do they spend hours doing? The scales. The basics. We keep coming back to where we start because that ingrains and grows stronger and stronger within us. And Teresa of Calcutta, or Mother Teresa, when asked about prayer, she said, when it comes to prayer, we are all beginners. We never become masters. So the styles, the forms that may seem simple, we'll always go back to them. The Lord's Prayer, written prayers, the Psalms. I don't know whether you've ever read the Psalms, but it's got every gamut of the human emotion in there. And some of them are quite brutal. They put into words these pre-written things to express things that we may not have the words for. People have written beautiful prayers because they've been in situations we find ourselves in. So we don't have to recreate to express to God what we're going through. How we actually express our thoughts and feelings to God is important. So today I want to look at three types of how we talk with God about how we are going, how we are feeling. Prayers of gratitude, prayers of lament, or when life sucks, and prayers of petition or intercession. Now it goes without saying, I think, that our gratitude for what God has done for us through Jesus should permeate all we do and think. His blessings flow over us continually, even when we don't realise they're going on. Stopping and being grateful puts our lives and what's going on around us into perspective. And out of gratitude grows generosity. We are called to be generous and faithful because God is generous and faithful. Paul tells us in Colossians 2, be overflowing with thankfulness. Timothy Gallagher, a Jesuit priest, says, recognising God's loving gifts and recognising God's loving presence through them summarises is summarised by the word gratitude. And it lies at the heart of our entire relationship with God. All our prayers should come from a place of gratitude, knowing that what God has done for us, we can never earn or repay. And being grateful for that. Learning to live with that joy and that peace. So how grateful are we are in our prayers? Acknowledging his goodness to us, the blessings he has given us, because it lets us see where he's working in our lives and the world around us when we recognise what he has done and what he is doing. And it helps us put things in perspective. 
The next one is lament. Now, this isn't a word that we hear very often nowadays. And I think sometimes we misunderstand what the word means. People think lament and they think people crying and carrying on in sadness and stuff. It's that, but it's more. Lament just means to be concerned about what is going on. The fact that what is going on isn't right. It can be angry, can be anxious, can be depressed, be confused. We don't hear it very much in the Western church today because we have lost, in many ways, the prayers of lament. Historically, the church had a very deep and rich connection with lament because of persecution and life was tough. But it's not just about being sad. Like I said, it's about acknowledging that things aren't the way they should be. Talking with God about that. Talking with God that the world isn't right. There's injustice, there's evil, there's despair, there's anger, there's anguish, there's frustration. And we take that to God. Psalm 6. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me. Lord, for my bones are in agony, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. We can pray lament because we know God is faithful and just and will act. Some of the Psalms are pretty raw and hard to actually accept. Can God listen to this? They're in there. Now, I'm going to start reading out a psalm and most of you are going to have a song stuck in your head for the rest of the day, but that's okay. Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the populars, we hung our harps, for there our captors asked for us songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, my right hand forget its skills. My tongue clings to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. And here's the bit that you never hear. Happy is the one who seizes your influence and throws them against the rocks. That's in the Bible. That's pretty raw emotion, pretty raw feeling, and God's listening to this. Now that you've got that song in your head for the rest of the day, you might remember what I talk about. How can we pray like that? 
How can we pray that raw hatred? How can we pray such deep despair, anguish, anger, lack of hope? We want to give up. It's too hard. He wants to hear that. He wants to be in that with us. Not just the good times when everything's fine and rosy and we're grateful and joyous and it's easy. He wants us to come to him when life sucks. When life is hard, when we're angry at him and angry at the world and others. Because we can fall into the trap of only talking to God and with God when things are going okay. When the good stuff is happening and we're happy that God's looking after us. Because we don't want to be whingers. My life is bad and things are bad and things are happening bad. Maybe I'm the one that's stuffed up and done the wrong thing. It's all my fault. The thing is, God knows it might be your fault. But even then, he still wants to hear you. He still wants to journey with you. But ultimately, in lament, what we are saying is, even though things aren't the way they should be, even though things are bad, even though life sucks, he is the one in control. The mere fact that we actually come and pray to him acknowledges that he is the one in control. And he is the one that we can rely on. Lament gives us permission. God gives us permission to be raw, to be angry, to be sad, to be depressed, to be anxious and hopeless, wanting to give in because God wants to hear it. God wants to journey with it. God wants to be the shoulder we cry on, the friend who will listen to what's going on. Gratitude and lament should lead to our last one, petition. In gratitude, we focus on what God has done. It lets us see his actions, acknowledges his actions and sees his faithfulness. In lament, we point out what's wrong, what's not right, and spread that before him, warts and all. And then we come to him to say, fix it. I was talking to Robin this morning and um, she just mentioned we don't lament as churches anymore. And like I said earlier, I think the West has lost this art, the skill of lamenting because we rush to go from gratitude to petition. We're grateful for what you did. Okay, fix this. We don't want to do the bit in the middle the bit where God wants to really grind down into us because we want to, he wants us to express how he's really feeling. We rush to petition and intercession because we don't want to deal with the messy stuff in the middle. We go straight to God fix this without really talking about what he needs to fix. We don't want to complain. We think it's wrong to complain. But again, let's go to Psalms. Psalm 142, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I will tell of my troubles. Be honest with how we feel. He knows already anyway. 
He just wants us to communicate it with him. There's no point in hiding it. As I learnt through my life, where I've had lots of times where I've complained to God, he's big and tough. He's not going to get offended. He can deal with however angry you want to be. But we have the right, and he's asking us to complain. But we also have the right to ask him to step in. And this is where petition comes in. Remember from Luke 11, ask and it will be given you. And how much more a father in heaven will give us good things than fathers on earth do? Ask in his name. Ask the father. It's even there in that generic first prayer that Jesus taught. Give us this day our daily bread. We ask because Jesus has given us permission to ask. Permission to use his authority. John 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. To pray with him, pray in alignment with his ways, is to know his mind and his ways. It's interesting if you read through the Bible and you read the prayers of petition we come in the, find in the Bible, there's one thing that they are all got in common. They're calling on God to act on promises he's already made. We can call on the promises that God has made because he's made them. They're there. We can call on the promises and say, God, you said this, so I'm asking you to do that. This is what it means to pray in his name. The authority is there, we just have to call upon it. We can claim what he has already said he will do. You know, Jesus promised to be with us till the end of the age, promised to be with us when we're fearful. We can be bold and ask Jesus because he has told us that we can ask. And his promises are what we hold on to. In a world that's screwed up and dark, his promises are our hope, our light. Gratitude, lament and petition. Prayers where we express to God our deepest feelings and thoughts. One leads to the other. Gratitude lets us see and understand God's faithfulness. Lament helps us to express our hurts and anguish with what's going on in our lives and around us. And petition helps us to understand God's faithfulness because he does come through. Helps us to recognise that he can come through on the promises he has made. And that leads back to gratitude. When he fulfills his promise, we are thankful. With gratitude, we gain insights into God's goodness. Without it, we lose that. Without gratitude, without seeing what he has done, acknowledging what he has done, we lose sight of God's faithfulness. Without lament, we begin to put a false face on. Everything's good. Everything's happy. If something's wrong, I can't be a good Christian. Life's got to be continually joyous. Jesus never promised us a peaceful, joyous life. He promised he would be with us, no matter what happened. And if we don't use petition, we lose our trust in God. 
because we ask in trust and faith that he will come through. But if we don't ask, we never know. So how do we pray? Like last week, there's going to be a prayer exercise in a few moments. It's a simple exercise in lament. But if you want to experience lament more or delve into it, I would recommend psalms. Most of the psalms are a form of lament. Recognising that life's not right, I need to change, God help me. Now just as an aside, I thought of this, and I've had this conversation with people over the years, some people struggle with the concept of using pre-written prayers, be they psalms or liturgy that's from other places. Because Jesus said, don't pray like the pagans with their vain repetitions. Jesus isn't saying here not to use pre-written prayer. If that was the case, why do we even have the Lord's Prayer? Why do we even have the Book of Psalms? The Book of Psalms has been the church's prayer book for 2,000 years. What Jesus is referring to here with vain repetitions is the concept that in many cults back in those days had prayer formulas. If you prayed X, Y, Z, the gods had to do A, B, C. There's a word for it nowadays. We call it magic. If I do this, the God is obliged to do that. By repeating this over and over again, the God is more obliged to do it for me. That's what Jesus is saying. There is no prayer formula that is going to get you to do, get God to do something for you. It's about relationship. So I encourage you, discover Psalms. They can express some of the most deepest things that you can't think of how to put into words. The core is how do we express ourselves with God? How we feel with God? Because that's what he wants to hear. I mean, we know he knows, but communication is a two-way street. He knows already, but he wants us to come to him, to be real with what's going on in our lives. Just as our human relationships deepen as we become more open and expressive to those around us, the same happens with our relationship with God. As we become more open, vulnerable, real with him, our relationship with him deepens. So pray. Be honest. Be raw. Be angry. Be sad. Be anxious. Be all the feels. Because he wants to hear it. Because he wants to walk with us through that. Amen.